that I've been mentioned it three times already, it's actually not that funny anymore. But yeah, I guess we can say it like one more time. <laughs> yeah, for, for those who don't know, Callum is actually our guest today, Callum Smith from the UK. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Kai Savatari from uh, Berlin and Marcus Ewald from... Actually, Marcus, I, I know you're not from Gothenburg, right? What, what, where are you actually from? Well, no, I'm from... Yeah, well, Sweden, I was supposed to say, but... Oh, yeah, uh, let's just make it easy, right? Our listeners, they're just like... They kind of like, <laughs> Europe, Europe, mate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought we were going to go really deep into where you're actually from. Like, is it Wilken where you used to run the, the tournament? Yeah, well, I live in Wilken most of the time. Now I'm in Gothenburg for work, but uh, yeah, Wilken, it's, uh, it's a small place. Most Swedes don't even know where it is, so... And it's going to come on the back, map you, for, you know, uh, the legacy. You had the Wilken Invitational at some point? Yeah, I think I'll run it back. I was supposed to do it this year, but yeah, been busy. I like how Maybe you said later. you were supposed to do it. Like, who supposed you to do it? <laughs> <laughs> My plan was to do so, but yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. And with that, hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number, I believe, 147, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. I'm so excited to learn more about this column guy, uh, guys, but... First of all, <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's a real pleasure to be on. Uh, long-term listener. Don't really like the host very much, but, you know, I can get over that. I think the topics are really fun to listen to, so I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, money solves all problems, right? Everybody has a price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine was uh, two pounds. Two pounds. Yeah. By the way, pound is, like, the coolest thing ever. Like, we have euros and then we have mark. But every, every time a Brit says pound, it just it sounds so much more valuable. I don't know. That's weird. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, no, just like marketing-wise, like, oh hey, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> You'll take it, awesome. We have Swedish crowns, that's also pretty valuable. If you yeah, but that's honestly, that. that's, I don't know, too on the nose. That's just like, oh, we have crown, we trade in crowns, right? I, I, think, oh. I think crown sounds way cooler than pound. You, you, do you really have crowns? Yeah. You, have, you have like krona or something, right? Yeah, but that's Swedish for crown, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is so rich. Yeah. yeah, this is your favorite your favorite monetary podcast. Like what's your favorite currency? Everybody let us know on twitter.com slash eternalmtg. My favorite currency is accumulated knowledges. I'll give you two, you give me three, you give me four, etc. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is the, you know, this is how people get, get into drugs. Going. Right. <laughs> like like did, didn't we just get a currency converter in legacy? Like that was like a year ago. And that's even that's even a control card. So discard accumulated knowledge with it and then cast another one. <laughs> God damn it, come <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> yeah, actually, Marcus, why are you not playing currency converter? But yeah, we we um, have Callum on the cast, so we could actually attract Marcus, who <laughs> recently, like, it's kind of funny, right? Marcus wanted to talk about control and then everybody in our Discord and then Twitter was like, oh my God, if Marcus speaks up, we definitely should speak about control. And then you went ahead and you top eighted two legacy challenges. So we were like, okay, now we actually have a reason to have you on, <laughs> other than you being <laughs> a, a, a allegedly a host of, of Everyday Channel. But first of all, Marcus, help us out again. Um, I think a lot of people in the, on the European scene know you. Uh, for those who don't know you, you're known online as I would like to respond, also known as Truckers, but you lost the, the, the password, right? So to basically all of those accounts everywhere, which to me is... It, no, yeah. that wasn't Twitch, but that's a separate story. <laughs> and Truckers, uh, it was full of comments from my uh, drafting addiction. So instead of shredding it all, I made a new account. Dude, my life changed when I shredded all my cards. Like, yeah. thank God for all those shredder, shredder bots. 
But back in the day, there I don't think we had those, so I had to like find a bot that accepted them, and I had to trade sixty-four <laughs> cards at a time or something. And I, oh. at the, that point, I believe I had over two hundred thousand cards from drafting. <laughs> like when Marcus locked on, this, the server slowed down by like five percent or something. Yeah. <laughs> like this was like, oh no, Marcus is back on again. Oh shit! It was yeah. tough though. There, there didn't used to be as many shredder bots, right? So I remember I've got a, a another account I paid like the five dollars for, and I just put all the trash on there. And then I've forgotten even what the name of the account is, let alone the password. So yeah, you know how I used to have all the crap, and then you told me on one episode about this grave card that was like worth sixty tickets, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then when when I went to shred my cards, I was like, why is this card left over? And oh, it's it's that card. <laughs> <laughs> Poor but yeah. some weird things. Uh, yeah, and speaking of weird things, uh, Marcus, <laughs> help us out again. <laughs> What a transition! <laughs> yeah, I'm the master of transitions, man. They, they call me M MT, master of transitions, MC, MT. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't mean anything like medical technician or something. Marcus, help us out. You you are here because you are really well known. Actually, we didn't even give you a proper introduction at all, right? So I guess we, we can make a chart. Like you, you are uh, a legacy player. You've done insanely well in tons of legacy tournaments before COVID, and then you basically transitioned to playing mostly online and sometimes showing up at, at paper tournaments still. So yeah, you 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 know what you're doing. I think you you have like a bizarre mox in top eight or something, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've been mostly online, and I started playing legacy way back when, and I really started the moto grind, as they say, around what was it, two twenty thirteen or something. When uh, Star City okay, was big and we had this uh, Sunday That's events. 10 years by now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I started playing Miracles and I really found my jam. And I've been trying to copy that experience ever since. To Not much success, but recently <laughs> I sort of found a, a card that, yeah, that matches my play pattern and what I want to do. And that card, ladies and gentlemen, is Bane Slayer Angel, a card you famously used to defeat me at yeah. Sambas Hour of Fox Night Beautiful. in 2014 or so. Yeah. <laughs> so, Marcus, how did you arrive at Bane Slayer? Oh, um, yeah, well, <laughs> do we really want to go down that hole? <laughs> I mean, that's what the whole episode is about. At least that's what I was well, told. Well, we have a new Bane Slayer Angel. Here's me transitioning back. Yeah, we have a new Bane Slayer, but it costs two mana these days, and it's not on Magic Online. Yeah, but... Fire design as you love it. Yeah. <laughs> Wizards, come on. It only costs two mana, okay? Help us out. Like, how, how do you make that? Does it still have protections from demons and no, dragons? No, so it's worse flavor-wise, but it, uh, it's better if you have two mana and worse if you have five, I suppose. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, people really know us for yeah. our deep analysis here. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Let, 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 let's make yeah. this, like, this somewhat proper of a cast. Um, so... <laughs> You know that everybody on this cast loves control decks, loves Cheskai decks, and recently Cheskai Staff Blade really made an impact. And you've been pioneering. Well, is it really pioneering a version when basically all of those cards have been well established and you put them together in a meaningful way? I say yes because there's still some. Well, there's still some markers left in this deck list. Um, very much so, even when I look at Staff and like the fairy interactions. So, c can you give us a quick rundown of? Maybe, first of all, what control means to you in Legacy and why you think control wasn't all that much playable, like if you wanted to go for top competitive results, and what has changed now to make okay. it playable? Well, so the short version is Boomer in uh, starts playing with the good cards. And, well, the, the longer version is that, as I said, I, I wanted to I want to play this 
reactive, grindy, long game. And so control for me is part is cheap answers and some sort of late game, right? So you use the answers to get to the late game and then the late game kicks in, whatever it is. But the the opposing decks, they have more card draw and they have broken mechanics like the initiative and so widespread of threats. So it's hard to like have a have a good late game unless you start jamming threats, right? So for the last couple of years, this mid or late game has consisted of random three drops that has been, some of them have been banned and some are still available. And to me, that is not like a, you're never fighting for a position. You don't really play around things. You just, you look at your hand and, well, this this is me uh, exaggerating a bit, but it's sort of an auto battler. If you have the mana, you play the card. And if they have the, the threat, <laughs> you the play your, your free interactive spell, right? So what changed now is that I, I can play this reactive game, leave my mana up, and then in my opponent's end step, I can get some granular advantages you refer to. So, so so basically, to sum it up, you love Factor Fiction. I do. I, I love Factor Fiction, but it's not... Only, well, if it was fire design, sure, I could play it for one mana, but as it is, four mana is, uh, is not... You're not impacting the board, it's easy to answer, and you're really... You're only getting like two or three cards. It's not... It's not that big of a deal anymore. <laughs> you only get two or three cards, like, no, no, whatever, dude. <laughs> so, well, I mean, to, to be fair, to be fair, part of Spectre Fiction was also that it feeds like um, Psychotalk, uh, which isn't really all that relevant here. Well, you can get, <laughs> I mean, you can almost, get your yeah. accumulated knowledge in your graveyard, though. So I always try, try <laughs> to get that interaction going. But search for Escanta, well, we, we, we tried that, Callum, you remember? Never really worked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, with Wilderness Reclamation, it was fun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Haven't seen that card in a while. Should we spend some yeah. tickets? <laughs> yeah. So, Marcus and I go like a quite a long way back, making really silly decks, which we both loved, but they were never very good. And one, I think, I would say my favorite, and maybe your favorite, is the the Epic um, Pit. So Tep. Yeah. And um, it, what a legendary deck, dude! It was, it was, it's like bug colors, and I think it had veteran explorers, mm. but like barely any cabal therapies as well. So they would just die. They were just moats basically. And then you won with a wilderness reclamation. Then we played like three search for us canter. So reclamation untaps them, and you just like bury the yeah. opponent in cards. And, and, and we had just, Nexus okay. uh, Fate, and, then, and we won with the uh, veteran explorer beatdown. Right. That was it. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think there was two or three Vestry Explorers and one or two Snapcasters. Uh, but the real win condition was Cunning Wish for Empty the Pits. Yeah. Oh god, that's like that, that zombie card, right? <laughs> yeah, it's four black and then double X and delve, you make X tap zombies. So the idea is eventually your opponent just is like, if they really, really don't want to concede and give up, then you're like, okay, fine, I'll kill you. But usually you just win with Vestry Explorers attacking. Yeah. And that was some peak... That, that's the little look into the mind of how Marcus wants to win games. So if you ever see his deck list and like, how how do you win? Where's the win condition? That's the ban you're exactly. dealing with. Exactly. Actually, you know what? Now, now that I'm actually looking at the deck list that you submitted, oh, oh, yeah, I guess we'll get to that. But holy shit, you're right. Oh, okay. I see, I see some conditions at least. Yeah, until, yeah. the mana base helps a bit. But otherwise, I mean, <laughs> Marcus, like, in, even with miracles, like you often didn't even play and treat. You were just like two snapcasters and two jaces as the win yeah. ones, right? Yeah, exactly. That that's what I mean by 
establishing some sort of late game. You just have more answers than mm-hmm. your opponent has ability to do anything, and then you just win by like that snapcaster card is sort of a two for one but the body is like haha why do you need that but then 10 turns later you you know why you needed that <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's like the whole idea yeah, yeah yeah so you don't want to spend an actual card on a uh, comet stellar pup for example which is like a good random card but <laughs> why do you need it because when you win you win big anyways and if you don't well then you're sort of in this race situation and you're not really in control anymore so so for somebody who's only really cast, let's say, we have somebody listening who's only ever cast Reality Smasher and the like, why does this make you happy? Like, what is, what is the special feeling about playing, like, a super late game focus control deck? I, yeah, I don't really know. It's some. I, I, I'm sure I'm missing some connections <laughs> in my brain, but I, I just enjoy to show up to a tournament and play my deck. I don't want to play, like, my hand and three or four cards. I, I want to play my deck. That's the purpose of the the game like miracles it, it will drag on for and burn no. doesn't allow you that <laughs> miracles will drag on forever <laughs> i enjoy stasis i play high tide and my only modern deck i ever played was taking turns <laughs> so a sort of a it's, it's kind of funny how, how you told us you you couldn't broadcast or you couldn't record from home so that's why you went to a special place i, I have a feeling that you actually went to <laughs> your Calling in from prison right now. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Sitting here in Shutter <laughs> Island, <laughs> tapping my blue mana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're basically reading out, like, your, all your crimes against humanity. Like, keep going. Yeah. Then Hark is coming. Oh, I, I knew the Terminus hit you too hard. Was it, like, seven years ago or something? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I was dropped on, on Terminus as a baby or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, uh, well, so if you want me to go... Back to that, uh, why, what is control and why do I play it? So you, you asked, why do I, why, why I'm not casting a Reality Smasher? And... Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that, that's one part. Like, what's, what's the allure of control for, for people who enjoy it? What, what makes you? Basically, you've been addicted to, to yeah, all of that. Yeah, it's sort right? of a puzzle that's up to me to solve and not. I, I if, if, if you. Are you a single child? Sorry. You have uh, yes, one sister. Very abusive sister. No, I was kidding. <laughs> okay. you're, you're helping. You try to I mean, me I'm, glad you, I'm glad you are laughing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so if you play a threat, you want the game to end, like, like before your opponent get the chance to fight back. But I want to fight everything they can have at every point. That's like me feeling in control of the game. So I don't know. And. Ah, now we're getting closer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I heard the police sirens <laughs> from outside now. Uh, so, and and for to, to to me, it's it's the puzzle when you play, but it's more about the puzzle when you build a deck, right? So you have to figure out which kind of answers you need, how much mana you have to spare to spare for all your dirtly shenanigans, like how many predict can this meta afford me to play? How much mana do I have to? Not get anywhere, get any traction, and uh, my most of my decks start with like eight uh, tutors and twelve cantrips, and then I reality check myself, and and uh, <laughs> go back <laughs> down to something reasonable, and then uh, try a card like accumulate the knowledge, uh, lose a few leagues, and then bite the dust and add those fired card instead, like Narset and stuff. I mean, we're kind of making fun of, of some of your, your um, bluish addictions, but you, I think you are probably, you're, you were holding one of the highest legacy MTGO Edo writings of all times at like, I don't know, 2100? Yeah, so maybe. 
Am I oversighting? I don't it? remember if it was above or just below 2100. But back in the days when I played Miracles, and this was before leagues, so I played these daily events and the, was it monthlies or weeklies? I don't remember. I think it was monthlies, right? Well, the month, it was mostly like daily events that we had until like for quite a long time. And then they made it monthly for like the, these these challenges, made them monthly for like only one or two months. And then they realized, oh, they are that popular. And then they made them yeah. twice weekly. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't know. The, the cards uh, I enjoy and when they are good, they are usually banned. So I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> any indication of how, how good I am with the cards or how good the cards are and how much they carry me so. i mean if anything you're good at evaluating cards if everything you like always ends up banned well no well if if they are proven to be good and i like them then they're banned but most of the cards i play are not very good <laughs> okay but anyway so you, you you've basically been i mean it's kind of impressive that you've stuck to this throughout all your legacy life right you you through the good times and the bad times and i think over the last couple of years, they weren't always the greatest times. So what has actually changed? Like, what has given you the feeling of, hey, we, we might actually have something here again that's that's more than just a, well, I was going to call it like a tier two hobby, but a potential tier one deck. Yeah, well, I discovered staff. I mean, I've been trying most of the things. No, you well, discovered staff. I, I found it. <laughs> we found, I found the it in my binder. <laughs> I discovered it. <laughs> actually, before going into the full deck list, do you want to give us your breakdown of staff how you think it works like how good it, how good you think it is because it's been like you know contentious i think it's become a bit of a staple in legacy already but there's still people saying you think it's incredible or a bit overrated and stuff and do you think it requires much deck building around it give us your breakdown. yeah of the i think so i think it's a very fun build around card in the sense that it's face up you you get a one one for three mana which is terrible and then you have to play some token generators maybe or what i do instead is to just let the game go on forever so i'll hit my staff two three and four eventually that's the idea so you have to compensate for the slow card that it is by playing cheaper cheap answers and a bit like higher volumes of this cheap answers to like let the staff do its thing so if you look at my list here i have Force of Negation, which is not super common in a control deck because it's a one for two and the whole purpose is to grind mm -hmm. cards. And, yeah. Actually, you know what? I know I said before going to the deck list, you're probably right. Maybe do you want to give us a rundown of the deck list that you've been playing recently and then it'll <laughs> yeah, help okay. you explain explain the card. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. I, can, I can start with the, yep. the core. <laughs> I, I have 22 lands, which is the 18 I usually play plus for Ursa Saga. And those are very key in the deck, as it turns out, but I can come back to late later and then i have the eight plows mm -hmm. for prismatic ending four swords four ponder four brainstorm two mental misstep two spell pierce and minor misstep yes. i hope sorry blacklist uh, error Marcus, hey, well, please come to the charge station minor misstep from me <laughs> nice. oh, oh oh you were setting up the choke i see i see <laughs> and as uh, ursa saga targets i have retrofit foundry and soul guide lantern Moving on to the two slots, we have four staffs, two snapcaster, and in the three slots, two narset, two teferi. But the narset are sort of flex, so you have seen other lists with other cards there. The two forces I mentioned, force of negation, four force of will, and that's that's the main deck. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, so so as you said, so now we can go back to you said you play in the minor missteps and spell pierces and force negations, like six cards to kind of recoup this uh, tempo loss for playing staff, yeah. essentially. And then you have the dynamic uh, from other decks as well. We have uh, these uh, four, four planeswalkers. So you have the the dirtly mm-hmm. value card if you cast them and then you can just pitch them to force of negation or have these cards to make up for the card disadvantage. So it's sort of plays well together because mm-hmm. this this approach is like not the only approach i've seen or the only thing that works like obviously this works you've been doing very well but like anarag's four color deck is is playing loads of clunky cards fables and euros as well but he's kind of trying to mitigate that by leaning on carpet a lot of the time yeah. i think or just raw power of all the individual cards and it's almost it's a mid-range deck rather than control where you're presenting the threats rather than here you're trying to have all the answers and then catch up on tempo it's it's Despite the the card like going in two control decks, like it's a very different approach. Both yeah, times, exactly. Right? And and uh, carpet is a key, uh, like you mentioned. And go, like looking at legacy as a whole, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to play control, right? Because the good you need fast mana to play the good cards, right? And I don't really like play the good cards that ends the game. No Murktide, no Minskin Boon, not what nothing, and no Dark Ritual, no Ancient Tomb, uh, no Accelerant of any sort. So the core principle is to have for every threat your opponent casts, you have a cheap answer and then you like spend the difference to draw a card to like somewhat keep afloat for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like you say, you don't take the initiative, pun intended, and play that Minsky boo <laughs> turn three, four. It's it's rather yeah. having that blast and setting up for that situation and then pull ahead. Control also kind of relies on other decks being a bit more some of their parts, relying on synergy and then having some weaker cards if you disrupt the other half of what oh, tell me synergy. It. Yeah, <laughs> that and also if you drag the game on, they, they will sort of end up with the, the Simeon Spirit guides from the top where I find a ponder into whatever I need. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the idea as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It, this. So basically to summarize at this point, you, you already mentioned that Staff of Storyteller is like bad, a bad investment tempo-wise. And it really only pays off once you had like the second or third, which reminds me a lot about accumulated knowledge, yeah. by the way. And in order to make up that tempo disadvantage, you really need your, well, let's call it eight sorts to plowshares. So prismatic ending is one part of the, well, I can't call it the perfect storm to enable the stack because I mean, it's not overpowered, but it, it's a big part, right? If prismatic ending hadn't been printed, I, I'm not sure we, we would be able to, to yeah. pull off stuff. Yes. What do you think? So when I, when I speak of, cheap interaction and high volumes of said cars it sort of makes the game fluid and not as hit or miss when you like you the, the other approach for a controller is to have a sweeper turn four right but if you miss that fourth land drop or you get the waste landed or you don't find a sweeper because you usually play fewer of them then you sort of you make the game about that one card and prismatic ending plus plow and snapcaster and cantrips makes makes it that Delver is... You, you never have to force of will a threat because you just count on the deck to carry you. And what's not apparent at that time is that if you do force of will a Delver of Secrets and you lose seven turns later, it's not because you drew poorly, it's because you wasted a card early on something you didn't have to. So that's... Prismatic Ending really unlocks this play pattern, I, I, I would say. 
Yeah, prismatic ending, the, the way I, I pictured in my head is basically if you have a sweeper, let's say Supreme Verdict or something, it's like this big giant truck, right? That's yeah. that, that has like guys from um, Mad Max on it and they're like super angry, but it's a big giant truck that's not very maneuverable. Yeah. And four prismatic endings are like four guys on motorbikes, right? They, they are not as powerful individually, but they are just like give you more flexibility and you can chase down things easier. And yeah, it's... It's just like how, how I imagine yeah, stuff. And I also head. don't have nightmares over Chalice of the Void anymore. So it helps. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dude, can, can we just talk about how that kind of so... I was going to say sweet, <laughs> stupid. I kind of sweet and sour, sweet, stupid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about the mana base. So like a lot of these kind of... I'm just going to say Xerox decks, like these uh, kind of these tundra based decks playing the four brains on four ponder. 20 lands, 21 has become like kind of the norm. But here you have 22, which is maybe a little bit more. But you have four sagas as well, which sacrifice themselves. Like, how did you get to this configuration? And 22, is that the right number as well? I don't have enough volume of games to really say, but I think I started out with a 24 land list because I just couldn't count. I added cards, removed cards, <laughs> hit submit, and I played 24 <laughs> lands for a league. I flooded out a bit. Yeah, That's sorry. interesting because my instinct would be to play 23, 24 with four sagas. Yes, so. but... As I said earlier, I, I want to not rely on... I want to hit my land drops, but I don't, I don't want to spend actual cards. I mm -hmm. just want to the mid-late game to kick in naturally when I have a, like five, six lands, you know? I don't want to cantrip to mm -hmm. be able to play my spells. And if you if you look at the list here, if if you see my, my curve, I only have two Norse or two Teferi, and then that's it. So... The, I was about to say, the curve is very low. It's not like kind of Miracles of Old where you do eventually need to cast a exactly. Entreat the Angels or something. You are you are finishing at three, that's it. Yeah, I guess Retrofit of Foundry is the only real like mana sink you have and everything else you just yeah, get down by. Well, you probably wouldn't get it down by turn three depending on, on how the match goes. Sometimes I guess yeah. you do. But yeah, you, you you don't, as Kyla mentioned, there's no no five, six mana X spell payoff. Yeah, that you, it's, it's basically for. the Deliver Miracle approach where it's, where it's it's sort of you want to <laughs> if you look at the delivery deck how it's constructed it's low curve and very resource light you don't need to spend actual cards on lands to play your spells which is sort of why delivery is so good not only because you can daze and don't get punished because you fall behind on mana but because you don't you can always brainstorm your lands back right and this is the same mm -hmm. core principle here if I have two lands then I'm fine and and I I keep the game sort of condensed to the early game for as long as I need. And then when I flood out, so to say, then the mid-late game kicks in. So I don't... I, I feel confident playing this deck on two or three mana for, for a long time. Yeah, because even with, like again, like the minor missteps and the spell pierces, and then you use a swords or a prismatic ending here. Yeah, I can see this deck existing on two or three lands you save for a lot of the game up till turn eight nine or whatever yeah. even so if they wasteland me then then that's fine so it's it's all about like uh, mm -hmm. uh, what i refer to as start hand magic you, you can uh, like take a seven of this and and you keep basically everything and you just look at okay i can do this turn one i can do this turn two it's never like i have this joker over here that might be cast later <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how have the uh the sagas been so we we saw like kind of Sagavan was a deck you know a while ago. Julian, I think won a showcase challenge with it. Like Saga in this control in control without many artifacts. Like you literally only have a Soul Guide Lantern retro for the Foundry. So the constructs are never getting that big. But I guess this oh uh, staff is an artifact as well, of course. And so I guess 
the synergy there making a token to then trigger the staff they just kind of work well enough and it's just one card getting more value than one card's worth as the game yeah progresses, and right? i was really surprised to see how good saga was because i figured that i will be the worst saga deck because my opponent has seat of the synod and stuff like that or like fill the board with random stuff and what what ends mm. up happening is that I I can bet I can contain their construct because I have my eight plows, and then I buy time for the late game, and then retrofitter is the best uh, saga late game there is, and I have more mana off of basics. Mm-hmm. And that makes me curious, uh, yeah. curious though, because you say you can manage the constructs with your eight plows, but then again they make two constructs out of a single mm. land, and once the game goes long, that's kind of problematic. I guess you can snapcaster or to ferry some of those. Uh, and then if you want to go really late, like bounce Snapcaster and, and Source again or something, uh, or jump block them for a while with your Retrofit or Foundry tokens, even though I guess that's not the idea if you want to grow your own constructs to a reasonable size. But that's something I'm wondering. Like I'm I'm also not seeing it addressed in the sideboard, right? No. Uh, well, you're right in the sense that I have to spend cards to deal with a land. That's sort of a bad deal from the start. But at, at least it's a plan. And if I can make up for my... If I can make up for spewing cards and keeping my spells cheap by drawing more cards, I sort of keep afloat, right? And then that's going back to the mm-hmm. that principle. So if my opponent spend their whole turn making a free construct, well, then I can spend my whole turn drawing an extra card and spend one of the mana to cast an answer to that. So the exchange is the same. Well, the exchange is kind of the same. In the long run, it pays off for your yeah, opponent, though. Well, but it's, it's, it's trading a card for tempo, and then if your deck is built around using that tempo to get yes. more cards, then it kind of evens out. You're both going to have some cards that are just not uh, like answered one for one. It's kind of like the fable of the mirror breaker dilemma. Like you, you just can't really answer it one for one, or not in the stack generally. Uh, it's saga is kind of is similar mm. really a lot of the time, unless you have a wasteland straight away. I guess the one thing you benefit from is that at least post-board, your opponent's probably not going to attack your constructs as much as you are attacking their constructs. So you generate some synergy out of your constructs, especially once you get to the second saga. So I can see that, you, like, because in the long run, right, as we mentioned, you you have to have the bigger constructs. Otherwise, they, they would just like run you out of Yeah, of and it's cards. a big, big problem, uh, which is sort of uh, going back to deck building a bit. Ursa Saga has a lot of constraints on deck building. It's a busted card. It's sort of free to include. Uh, when you play it, but you can't really play Meltdown, Dress Down, Back to Basics. All of those cards are sort of All yeah, sort stuff. of staples <laughs> in just guy I... stuff and Mystic Sanctuary as well. Yeah, exactly. You, you could do that, but yeah, yeah, there's a cost to everything. I suppose so. I, that's a good uh, segue into. I was going to say, uh, give us a rundown of your sideboard, and I noticed there's like no kind of eight cast, no kind of. Yeah, there's basically stuff. almost no unfair cards on the sideboard. Yeah, except Lavinia the is really good, but okay, yeah. I can run it down. I have two Deafening mm-hmm. Silence, three Terminus, one Hydro Blast, two Surgical Extraction, uh, four Red Blast with a split, one Lavinia, one Basic Mountain, and one Needle. This is a very classic control sideboard <laughs> of like from five yeah, plus yeah. years ago. <laughs> but yeah, so there's no Haymakers. Uh, tell us about choosing to not go uh, into Yes, yeah, so... Like I said, I built this the same way for over 10 years. And if you look at the anti, anti-creature anti <laughs> slots, uh, it feels sort of weird to not include a sweeper in a control deck. But if you think about it, a sweeper get 
like getting its full, uh, the full potential of a sweeper is only really happening against like a few decks, death and taxes and uh, elves. Uh, the rest of the creature decks are sort of playing a one huge thing you have to deal with, or maybe two. So Deliver, Stompy, and stuff like that. So in that in in those slots, I actually play a Triumph of Saint Catherine main deck, uh, sideboard in in paper, and I think. I think overall that's just better. Well, that's basically your, your new yeah, bane that is slayer, the right? Two mana bane slayer. I talked about, and and I I, I think I, <laughs> I like that. We can talk about Catherine quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, soon. Uh, so. Yeah. So I have that, that that is a haymaker slot, and when I don't play triumphs, I I go back and forth on a wandering emperor or something along those lines. I don't think it's really necessary. You can play a crucible as well to have the better saga late game and have the, the one of cute wasteland that I run in mm-hmm. the first league, I think. So there are very few win cons and uh, I feel more confident, especially in paper, to have a haymaker in the sideboard because time uh, can be an issue uh, when you go to turn. Well, that's why you have the extra creature <laughs> yeah. on the side. No, no, I, I <laughs> know you have to for the I think the average game ends on like turn 10 or 12 or something. So in, in paper, you could need some extra haymakers there. Like like that. So again, we we do have enough win cons. Like we have Urza Saga making constructs. We have stuff the storage teller making the spirits. We have two snapcasters. How do the games usually end? Is it like big constructs, or is it just like lots of spirits, or a mix of both? Really, and what do you think? Uh, it's sort of a mix and uh, a handful of cards mm-hmm. against their empty hand. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, more than yeah. they have. Yeah. So okay, that makes me that makes me curious though. Because we, we've talked a lot about how you're able to to answer a lot of threats with your your mm. eight plows, but now I wonder, and I guess that's that's where, where, where I want to ask Kai. Like Kai, if you play Doomsday, for example, and I, I know I hate being reduced to a single deck, especially if I haven't played it in a while. But what, like, how do you feel about this deck? If if you were to go up against Marcus, or let's not let's not even say Marcus, some some someone you don't know playing this, how, how do you feel um, your odds feel- are? pretty pretty safe honestly like this this deck um doesn't doesn't have the cards that i'm usually scared of like dress down for example like mm. dress down is in, insane versus all dust oracle decks unfortunately but like you know like uh, once i see the first saga in this jessica control deck i can absolutely just just assume that there is no dress down in the deck right yeah, that would be quite some interesting deck building. I would probably lose a few <laughs> games where I get blown out by Spell Pierce because Spell Pierce is not really a card you see very often in Legacy these days, uh, except in Sneak Show maybe. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I, I do love the, the high density on, on counters. You got like 10 counters. But again, as a combo player, I you can you can probably play around like minor mistake and Spell Pierce and then you got like six forces and you know there's no clock. I would challenge this deck with Doomsday, and I I could probably let's do yeah, it. Right I, now, I, 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 I kind of want I kind of want to see that. <laughs> I could, like if I if I'm on something like Cephalid Breakfast, I'm probably a little dicey because um the, it's gonna be like a Usa Saga war, except that I keep drawing crappy uh, Nomads and cores, and the control that keeps you know just making more spirits and things like that, and Snapcast also looks pretty juicy in that build. So yeah, I'm I'm a little skeptical. Like if, if this deck can like just you know take over all games versus all combo decks, but there's certain certainly a, a, a few decks where you know like um, things like spell pierce and minor misstep especially that kick in. So it's- yeah, so, so uh, dress down would be really good, especially if you do resolve doomsday because I can't really beat cavern and I have no clock like you said. But if I can protect my dress down, I can still win. 
So if that angle is out of the picture, I, I, I don't really know <laughs> how I win post-Doomsday. But when you play this, it's, um, it's not so much about specific cars. Uh, okay, can I quickly interrupt you there? I just found a way how you beat, how you beat Thassa's Oracle. Like they put the trigger on the stack and then you terminus Thassa's Oracle. And then they play it again. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Go on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's creative thinking. Uh, nice. I like it. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah. we bought a turn. We but, bought but, a turn. But Maybe to, that's the one. To summarize this, like, you miss a few of those key cards, but the whole purpose is to have that force of will. You find it more often and you have a few more copies of them because you draw cards. That's like the idea. So... Doomsday, I feel not great against, but I have won more than I have lost. And that's like in general versus most combo, non graveyard centric combo decks, I should say. I feel very confident. I like how you have like two surgicals in the sideboard. You're like, okay, great. I, I have my soul guide as well, but no, it's uh, it's not enough because there's. True. Oh, main the yeah. graveyard hate even. <laughs> Here we go. But uh, but like if you want to briefly touch on those uh, uh, decks like Cephal Breakfast and Painter, those are very very tricky because not only because I don't have those uh, meltdown cards or those dress downs or whatever, but because they can sort of dictate what the game is all about, and that's what I want to do as a control deck. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. With all peace and love, every time we get paired on Magic Online, I'm like, yes, I'm going to play some derpy control deck, and it's always pretty yeah, one-sided. <laughs> yeah, so th- so that's that's the f- fun of it. Like, uh, you don't get anything for free playing a deck like this, and there's always work to be done. The cool thing with control, I think, at the moment especially, is staff has, you know, staff I think is amazing. We've talked about it a few times in the last episodes, and seems like you're a big fan as well. And it's opened up the the deck to, you know. I, I would say they're like mid tier one to higher. Like it's one of the better decks in the format at the moment, probably off the back of staff being good and uh, control. You really can tailor to lots of different ways. Like since Saga Van, we haven't really seen as a Saga plus staff control make a big, big splash so far until your back to back challenge top eights uh, these last two weekends. And I think people will start copying this as well, but we've seen lots of like Jeskai, but without the Sagas and we've seen Jeskai with like, uh, um, the Angelo Cadet kind of way with loads of Narsets and Teferis as well. I was just going to bring up Angelo, by the way, but, mm-hmm. but keep going. Yeah, I, I just feel like even though, you know, there's always the core of like Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, Ending, Force of Wills and stuff. Outside that, there is actually quite a lot of different ways to build it. Like even though we've said Anorag's kind of um, decks with Uro and Carpets and Fable and the stuff, Yorian as well, it's more of like a mid-range deck, but I think it still plays this long enough games where you could like class it as control as well and it does feel like, you know, there's just a lot of ways to, to build it now. So Marcus is always trying to be as reactive as possible. So this is what we're looking at here. And so I've always thought like you're going to be trying to play snapcasters over the Narcissus and stuff. But this list feels like a really nice mix. And in some bad matchups, I can see just like some quick constructs as well with some backed up by forces can just overtake a game or like a, a spell pierce or a minor misstep sniping something unexpectedly. It's... Uh, I think it does have a bit of an edge to it. Like, you know, some people can fall behind on tempo against this and then you have ways to punish that and yeah. stay ahead. It's kind of interesting when you compare it to Angelo's list, which is in many ways exactly the same core, right? We talk about those eight sorts of plowshares, eight cantrips, also two minor missteps, mm-hmm. uh, two teferis. But in his, in his case, it's, by the way, also six forces. Like you do, this is so much the same deck, even though he only plays 20 lands. And then he goes... 
the complete opposite route, right, of what we talked about. He plays those haymakers. He has two wandering emperors. He has uh, two shark typhoons. He has two supreme verdicts. Uh, he's playing four narsets in a day's undoing, whereas you, and also, of course, three dress down because his deck can afford to do that. Uh, whereas you go the complete other route, route. You, you want to have like some smaller, more incremental advantages. And as a consequence of that, also your, your, um, mana curve is lower to the ground, interestingly, at a higher land count. But I guess that's also just because of Saga. I will add that Angelo doesn't play staff either. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's actually why thing. I wanted to get to it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a big difference. Yeah, so they're, they're really like, although they're both just Jeskai decks, they're very different. Like if playing against these two, you're not going to know which kind of style or version you're playing against till probably turn four or five at least. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah, they you do have to look out for different things because against his list, for Narset, you've got to be really careful of not like letting that just get slammed. And if you hold into your cantrips too long, you get punished for that. Supreme Verdict, if you're playing like Delve or whatever, again, Marcus is just relying on the endings and swords against Angelo's list you've got the verdict to walk into. Um the Wandering Emperor is a very hard card to play around because it's not played enough it's one of to the like the most annoying cards ever. Whenever I play <laughs> yeah. a blue deck and I'm sitting there like Fluster Storm Pyroblast and like I know to turn Wandering Emperor like fuck you. Yeah, it, it I really like the card. I think it's strong. It's um but again it's just like not played enough that you sh it's like quote unquote correct to play around it a lot of the time. But then you attack with some creatures and then you get got by it and it the it can snowball the game. It's just very good at protecting yeah. itself. So I really like Emperor yeah. as well. It's very good. And you can mm -hmm. <laughs> I just have to chime in here and say I had a wandering emperor jumping in, making a token, trigger staff, draw blind, terminus your board. Oh. <laughs> From nowhere, six <laughs> mana and an emperor. Yeah. Disgusting. Is this, um? yeah, so, I mean, these are two, as we said, quite different styles. And do you think there's more ways of building control? Or do, do you think staff oh, is the Absolutely. The Once you start, like, looking at... Uh, a fourth color or like you sort of open up to, to all kind of things with the if you if you add green the the world is your lobster as they say and uh, <laughs> but like keeping it just sky you can also play this more uh, which i technically I, I would prefer to play this uh draw go game with the fairy mastermind and just flash it in and step but that that mm, that car yeah. I tried I want to make work <laughs> but I I I just think the face value is not good enough it's just a plow magnet and it doesn't leave anything behind yeah your deck is very good against plow because the constructs are coming from a land you're making two of them obviously the staff is a bad trade and then the snapcaster as well so you are you know living that swords like white cards are bad in the in the mirrors except for yeah. staff I guess. You you could... Whereas, whereas even even Angelo is like knocking off a big shark or some. I guess it's not mm -hmm. great here as well, but yeah. The best Jeskai deck I think is the one without red and with uh, Narcomibas. But uh, th then you sort of, <laughs> then you sort of accept. Oh, yeah, you're talking yeah, about yeah, transitioning okay. going on here. <laughs> it's uh, marvelous. Yeah. No, so, th but then you have to accept these like constraints and uh, the poor top decks, and that's sort of what I want to avoid. And and to go back to what I said before, the, like the the core answer shell is the same, and then you can apply it to different things. And for a while, I'd never found anything that worked. And during the Express Iteration White Plume Adventure era, I instead of having that late game, I played the smallest, most compact combo package possible. I tried different show and tell versions. I played Esper Doomsday for quite a, some time, and it's not until now I feel that we have volume of cards as a win con and 
that's why I enjoyed this. So Saga, sure, you leave an 8-8 eight, eight mm-hmm. behind, but if you have uh, stuff, you can draw a card, which is the real payoff. I remember you felt pretty lost for most of like last year, right? You were trying so many different decks. You couldn't really get anything that, yeah. that worked for you. And now it's a complete reverse. You feel yeah. pretty happy about um, this. I don't know. It just I just stumbled upon this and uh, tried different things. And then someone, <laughs> I think it was Francis. So uh, credits to Francis to, say to, to add Saga and try. And Which Francis? Francis Cooper. FGC. EFGC. <laughs> in, in our London chat, him and Power22 have been talking all day today about like variations of this list that Peter's going to play at an event soon. And they're talking about intuitioning for Sevens yeah. Reclamation and Crucible and all this stuff. Pete wants to add a, a Lion's Eye Diamond to grab with the Sagas oh, to then flashback the intuition that's stuff. Deep. Yeah, I, I, I tried it. <laughs> I tried the Crucible Sevin package. It started out with as an intuition mm-hmm. thing, but... Yeah, okay. it's sweet, yeah. but it's slow, and slow is what we are. I mean, yeah, okay. the intuition for Crucible, Reclamation, and like Saga, it's pretty valuable. Yeah, and that one of Wasteland <laughs> that I had. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. By the way, at this point, I, I want to go to a listener question we received from Sean Dewey about your deck, Marcus. Sean is asking, how do you approach the Urza Saga matchup with your own Blue-White-Red Staff Saga list? When other Saga decks have things like Ancient Tomb, Mox Diamond, Life from the Loam, etc., to go faster than your Saga and go over the top of your Saga? I mean, it's, it's kind of like the question we already asked about, like, 8-cast, right? How, how do you deal with that? Yeah, exactly. But it's also about what what is your, the rest of your opposing Saga deck, right? If you can answer that, then Saga is not more than, a, like, a speed bump. But if it's centered around Saga, like, 8-cast maybe can be sometimes, then... Then, like I said, I have I have more removal for the construct, and I try to keep them off drawing cards while I draw cards myself. It's like the plan, at least. Uh, it's not a very good plan, but it it is a plan. So, you know what I was gonna say? I was gonna say like your nightmare would probably be a saga deck that also draws a lot of cards, which then. Like a second later, I realized, okay, that's just your deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes to draw cards more than me, so I, I'm usually covered I mean, that's, in that. That's eight cast. <laughs> to a degree, that's eight cast, though, right? A saga deck that draws a lot of cards. I mean, it does have a lot of like fluff, like stuff you don't really care about if, yeah. you, if you can answer like the beef. But I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like you, if, if I was playing this and I'm like not nearly as experienced with this as you, I, I if, if I could avoid it, I wouldn't want to play like eight cast every other round. No, no, definitely not. It's well. It, okay, I, I okay. love dr- to draw cards, but I want to have a solid, stable deck as like high mm-hmm, consistency mm-hmm. as much as I want to draw cards. So, eight cards. It's a very, very good deck, but it's not for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to shuffle my ponders. <laughs> <laughs> um, sh- should we go on here? I saw somebody added something to the the show notes. So uh, the I've comparison. I've uh, added something in as we're going along, just after we started pressing recording. So this is going to be out of the blue as we're doing it. But today I saw uh, Phil Blechman, who's force fulfills his um, Triumph of Saint Catherine inspired miracles deck. And I want to get Marcus's thoughts on it, and I want to just talk about it because it's crazy. Um, anyone that knows Force of Phil, he's always loved like kind of Mystic Sanctuary and Terminus and Miraclesy things, but like he goes hard in the synergies. What so- the fuck are some of those cards, dude? What, do? <laughs> yes. what the fuck? I'm reading <laughs> the, the main do? deck and I'm reading the sideboard, and like half the cards don't even make any sense to me. 
Cool. So that will be answered by him playing a pop quiz, obviously. Yeah. Um, First of all, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna just... I thought it was like a placeholder card or something. No, no, no. This is all real. So I'm going to have a quick run through the deck, and then I want to get Marcus's thoughts. And then I want to get Marcus's thoughts on Triumph St. Catherine as well, because it's a card that we only see in the wild in paper currently. Mm. And uh, yeah, we've talked about it a few times, but Marcus is quite high on the card. I've not been. So anyway quickly force of phil's crazy crazy miracles deck he has two jace the mind sculptor better than all four triumph of saint catherine four merchant scroll four ponder four prismatic ending four brainstorm one force of negation four force of will one pop quiz which i will read in a second four source of plowshares one thwart four counterbalance three dress down and then 20 lands four four strands one island four misty three mystic sanctuary that's a lot. One Polita Delta. What's the greed in the deck? Two Tropical Island, four Tundra, one Underground Sea. The pop quiz better make the card work. Okay, uh, that deck so work. I don't know what it does. The pop quiz is uh, two in a blue, so three mana total, instant, draw a card, and then learn, uh, which is you may reveal a lesson card you own from outside the game and put it into your hand or discard oh, a card. Oh, which kind of card from outside the game? Uh, a lesson card. Oh my I, god! Okay. I guess you didn't because... play Strixhaven Limited. Uh, I think that they had some kind of mechanic like that, and I was yeah. even like trying to see whether there's anything for Legacy because it's kind of crazy when you think about that you just like get plus one card advantage on yeah. that. But so, everybody was like, "No, there's nothing." I mean, there's some cool stuff. So, so basically, the the, the main deck is just straight blue white, but uh, we've got an underground sea and two tropical islands for some of the lessons and some cyborg cards. So in the cyborg, there's two carpet flowers, um, one entreat the angels, one Hercules recall, one hydroblast, two surgical extraction. And then I'm just reading the non-lessons. Four temporary lockdown. I'm going to we'll go through that in a minute. And then the lessons he has. Confront the past, which is one black X. This is what the underground C is for. You choose one. It's a sorcery. Return target planeswalker card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Or remove twice X loyalty cards from target planeswalker component control. So, oh, not so fast. What's the mana cost? A black and X. So for five mana, you can return a Jace from your graveyard to play. Or okay, for, okay. Or for like five, you could take four loyalty cancers off an opponent's planeswalker. One containment breach, which is two and a green. It's a sorcery lesson. Uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment. If its mana value is two or less, create a one-one black green insect pest creature token. With this, when this creature dies, you gain one life. So already we've seen like planeswalker removal or recursion and artifact or enchantment removal for this pop quiz. Uh, elemental summoning is three, and then hybrid blue red, hybrid blue red. So five mana total. A sorcery, create a 4-4 four, four blue and red elemental creature token. And then finally, <laughs> Teachings of the Archaics is a 2 and a blue for a sorcery lesson as well. If an opponent has more cards in hand than you, draw two cards. Draw three cards instead if an opponent has at least four more cards in hand than you. So then like a divination, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're behind on cards. So this like sideboard lesson package, it's a lot of like bullets, uh, a lot of like, you know, just random things. And... Um, Keep in mind this pop quiz is an instant, so you can merchant scroll for it, and then you can like with three mystic sanctuaries keep rebuying it. And the merchant scroll you can go and get the thwart to return three islands, which is like three mystic sanctuary as well. So this deck would make a lot more sense if you had a permanent high tide going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this but this package, like this one pop quiz, is giga brain and like it took me a minute to work out how like how consistent it's gonna be to merchant scroll for the pop quiz and then keep rebuying it and then I mean, the late game grind of this deck is bananas. Marcus, what do yeah. you think? Oh, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> I'm, I, I love a good cunning wish board, I must say. Dude. And well, if you start with, I, I can start with the negative because I'm so happy about this list. The negative <laughs> cool. thing is 
mana, right? So I, I said that you have to figure out how much mana you have to spare in a certain metagame. And looking at uh, pop quiz and merchant scroll, and if you curve merchant scroll for pop quiz, you're not really doing anything turn two, mm-hmm. three. But that aside, this feels very good because you have you have all the different answers. Uh, you have them, like you find your thing and then it comes back. It's sort of like how we play Snap Custom Age as well, right? You find your best card and then you run it again. And I also really like the deck building principle of not having bad top decks, right? So you, you never want to draw any of these cards, but you have one pop quiz and you can mm-hmm. find it when you need it. So it's it's very elegant in that sense. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's too bad that the it's really cards building are around like, the motion scroll. Yeah, it's yeah. too bad that the cards are like twice as, che- as expensive as I would like them to be. But yeah, my kind of again, I've not played this at all. I literally just saw this about an hour ago, and I thought we have to talk about it. Um, I imagine you merchant scrolls for brainstorm a yeah. lot. Um, I'm quite surprised there's just no terminus at all in it, honestly. Yeah, especially since that's Mystic Red Sanctuary, right? I guess Triumph yeah. is kind of mm. like your thing that you use to to hold back any kind of like. So yeah, he'll he'll stuff. be brainstorming about the triumphs, and he's played it. He mostly plays in paper, or maybe only exclusively in paper. I was just gonna ask, like, are we looking at this because he won something with it, or is it more like an experimental? He won thing? my heart. It's an experimental thing. <laughs> yeah, he won Marcus's heart. Um, experiment, <laughs> but like the biggest prize there is. <laughs> Phil is uh, he's. He has his own way of building these decks. Like this is a very fill deck, but he plays on the um, 90s MTG channel quite a lot. So if people want to see this, he, I don't know, but he probably will play it on there. He has this crazy all altered decks all the time as well. Yeah, it's really but, beautiful. Um, yeah, he must have played probably a, a lot of Triumph for St. Catherine at this point. So he'll maybe he's, I mean, he's obviously chosen that over Terminus and that's where like, you know, just much the scroll for Brainstorm to get Triumphs going and stuff. Yeah, and, and um, Counterbalance as well. Of course, yeah. yeah, true, good point. Yeah, and then this thought, it's a bit of a pet card of his, but it's no joke. Like, I know Return Three Islands sounds like a big cost, but like a free counter spell is big. Mm. And then Mystic Sanctuary is a pretty messed up card, so you're going to be yeah, returning them. Yeah, you literally them. get to. To, to return the Mystic Sanctuaries, right? I remember Mark Fogt, the winner of the last Legacy GP in Bologna, mm-hmm. like ever. He he basically told me Thwart is an engine. And mm-hmm, I think yeah. he was not even half choking. He was like a, th- a quarter choking or something. Like he, he really thinks like Thought, Thought, stupid card is an engine. Yeah. No, I'm I'm convinced that it is uh, it is as well. Like it's not just like a funny fun of, you know, because it's cool and stuff. I think it, again... Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, you're, sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, you, you, you play it, you, you get like your, some Mystic Sanctuary spec, and then later on you put Thought back on top and, mm-hmm. and you get... To, I mean, it's, it is, yeah. it's so eating into your land drops, of course, but yeah. Okay. But this game is trying to go super late, right? I mean, and now with the four merchant scrolls, just mm. the one thought, you can go and grab it later as well. I think this is another deck that can really only exist because prismatic ending exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, the four endings and the four swords and then the four force of wills is going to be in every every single Tundra deck like this. And yeah, they're required. Also in the, in the sideboard, four temporary lockdown. Um, I'm going to read this. It's one white, white, three mana total for an enchantment. When temporary lockdown ends the battlefield, exile each non-land permanent with mana value two or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. Four of them. That's a statement. So I guess Acast, Painter maybe as well, and Death and Taxes. Elves. elves. Yeah, the, the Fiendarts and Elves and stuff. Seems cool. I mean, it's kind of weak if they can remove it. Like Besaju, I guess, from Elves springs to mind. Um, I guess it's, yeah. it reminds you a lot of like what Engineered Explosives is supposed to do in, in these mm-hmm. kind of decks, right? Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I think it's pr it's really brutal against uh, eight cards for sure. Like gets all their things. Personally, I'm not that high on that card, but a card mm -hmm. I think will come back, make a, a pretty big comeback now that Ursa Saga is the best card in the format. It's uh, March of Otherworldly Light, and that's sort of oh, that yeah. slot as well. It's a it's a so maybe it's better than Prismatic Ending. Maybe I should run a split. I should really try that because if the if the game is about having the saga advantage uh then it can solve that for you one mana stone rain your best land <laughs> also an instant so it's pretty big i think that yeah, yeah. That, i think this yeah, deck that... really reminds me of like i think it was like an old extended deck or something like that where you you i think it was like yeah. a band or band deck where uh where you cast cunning wish for a hunting pack i think end of turn yeah. and <laughs> really get them i think like that was the basically quote unquote entreaty angels like back in the day but i liked it so much mm. i was gonna say it's so funny you say that because i also looked at the stack list and i was like this reminds me so much in many ways of landstill like around 2005 2006 like when some lancers players played like Esper landstill when they played cunning wish to to get um uh, what was it for extirpate and stuff <laughs> and i mean now our pop quiz is pop quiz is our cunning wish and we get like a lot of bad <laughs> overpriced cards mm -hmm. but we get like we pay the extra mana to get the extra card advantage yeah yeah. If, if we want to touch so, on the mana base as well, I think that's very interesting. Yeah, go on. Because yeah, they're no non-island non deck uh, lands. Yeah. Which is kind mm -hmm. of a statement. Do you really want that uh, Mystic Sanctuary going? I guess to support like being a proper blue-white deck, like with Triumph, you want to get something to produce white mana as soon as you have your second land in play in case you draw one. You know, reliance on basics can be awkward there because these decks, like historically, cantrip decks do want to go like island into a blue fetch or something that's not a flood strand that you don't always draw them and stuff so it is just saying yeah i'm just going to be fetching tundras this whole game and then the two trops and the one you're underground sea are for like cyborg pop quiz targets and stuff mm. but you just i guess it does have one island one basic island but um you just want to be getting the mystic sanctuaries going from turn four all the time i assume because it is a four counterbalance deck as well still so you're you know putting back these uh i guess the the Merchant Scroll is, is the 2CMC thing for that as well. That's nice, because it's that was always a slot that's harder to fill, because you've got all the cantrips, then you've got, like, Force Negation at 3. Yeah. And, and Popquiz at 3, of course. How can I forget? <laughs> <laughs> and then the random counterbalance to, to, like, ruin somebody's day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're there, yeah. But, yeah, cool. Um, as I said, I just saw it earlier, and I thought this is such a wild take on it. And it's another segue into Marcus. I want to ask you about Triumph of St. Catherine, because it's still very hard to kind of get. I'm fairly lukewarm on the card but i haven't mm. played with it a ton or against it a ton and it's really hard to because it's only in paper of course so what's your experiences with it and how do you think control should build around it yeah so my version has some beaters right you have this construct you have the spirits and that is very good against not, not only creature decks but it's a huge deal against opposing control decks because once they resolve the fairy or narsets uh, i'm usually just dead so it's important to have some sort of board going, and if you top deck that terminus, you kind of don't. You don't want to get rid of a small construct and a spirit to deal with an initiative creature and a two-two goblin, right? But you have to. So mm -hmm. it sort of create this weird dynamic where you are forced to use it when you can, even though it's not ideal. And a triumph. If you if you just if you draw a triumph, it's always good. And it plays so much better with your plows and how you want the game to progress. You don't want to spend actual cards. If you if you have a triumph going and you draw another triumph, that's perfect. If you have a terminus and you draw another terminus on an empty board, 
sort of mm-hmm. doesn't get you and doesn't get anywhere. But you have to do that if, like, for example, if I'm playing against Julian, I just swipe this whole oh. board. He's very upset, and then he plays another like <laughs> oh, a, a nettle sentinel or something. Uh, then then I top deck my terminus and sort of I have to do it. But if I have a mm-hmm. triumph instead, I, I can sort of protect the queen and have that as my plan maybe it's maybe uh, elves is not the ideal example because you rather have terminus mm-hmm. but i i couldn't help but bring it you, yes you know, <laughs> but but you know like deliver for example you you yeah. you you get a three for one if you have a triumph uh, uh like if if they have three creatures you you still keep up with one card so it's sort of a I think what, you, what, what you're talking about is like the um the difference between actual card advantage and virtual card advantage right yeah yeah, that was way better. <laughs> yeah, and and life life link is also very very good because it sort of again creates a virtual card advantage since you're no longer afraid of the bolts off the top of their deck and so on. And so yeah, forth. there's this points like I mean triumph I guess is incredible against Delva. Um, that deck's kind of not the the public enemy number one, but like you know the rate. When you miracle it for just two mana, five five life link, which then has this ability. I'm just gonna read it again so people are aware. When Triumph of Saint Catherine dies, exile it in the top six cards of your library in a face down pile. If you do, shuffle that pile and put it back on top of your library. So, unless you source the plowshares it to exile it, like it's gonna keep coming back in the next few turns. And again, it's always alongside ponders and brainstorms, so you're gonna find it faster. So it's it's there. And don't forget, miracle lets you cast it at instant speed. So yeah. You know, if you've set it up with a <laughs> staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, actually, on that note, like Marcus, how do you, how have you built around Triumph Saint Catherine? Like, you do you have it built up in paper? Yeah, like I said, I have. I played a tournament this weekend, and I swapped my three terminus, and I actually had one Wandering Emperor over my second surgical, I think. So the swap there was just for Triumphs in the sideboard. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, oh, so just sideboard, not yeah. Main but I have a list like that as well, and. Uh, I play 18 lands, 4 baubles, 4 predict, uh, 4 triumph, 4 staff. The, the usual suspects, but again, a low curve and mm. only 18 lands, two bo- 4 baubles. This is my kind of thing. When I when triumph first first came out, like I pre-ordered them and the first shell I tried was with predicts and baubles and stuff. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so the first is version it... I ran, I, I don't think it was that good because triumph is, is not a very good card unless lifelink is relevant, I think. That's mm-hmm. how you summarize it. But now with staff, so, you so have... you're saying it's like it's more of a sideboard card is where you land. Uh, so it's sort of it's good against half the field, but I don't want to play it as my wincon in a control mirror or against combo really. But mm-hmm. staff sort of covers that because it's the opposite. It's a two mana do nothing draw card, <laughs> so <laughs> that that's what you need to make up for having a five five beater for two mana. Yeah, it makes sense. So I think that's a good deck. Also. Yeah, I'm. Hopefully this year we're going to get Triumph St. Catherine and all the 40k cards online. Uh, we're being pushed into Q3 now, I think they said. So yeah. maybe the well, they, they were they were hoping for Q3. Could also yeah. be Q4. So who knows? Yeah. By the way, um, quick shout out to uh, Johannes Gutbrot who won the uh, uh, last etc. Which was also uh, it's so many things, but among other things, it's it was also a qualifier for the German Legacy Nationals and gives them two buys or something. And he also played three copies of Triumph of St. Mm. Catherine in his. Mm. Well, four-color Uro control deck. So that card seems to be pretty popular. Um, well, at least in paper. It's kind of, kind of hard to make it work on Magic Online, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that. So, Marcus, how, how would you sum up the, the position of, of 
your chess guy's staff blade right now? Is this has this been tacked out pretty well, or are there still some like construction sites that you're working uh, on? There's always some room to improve, especially breakfast. I think it's something I have to address, and like I mentioned before, I don't really know how because it's a combo deck Nobody with knows. a grindy plan and a beatdown plan and. Blah, blah, blah. So I have to address... That. It loses to everything, but it also is able to beat every kind of hate, which is... it's yeah, For long, longest of times, like when the deck was first around, we choked about how, how it loses to everything, like graveyard hate, creature hate, what have you, which is like pretty uncommon for a combo deck. But in a way, that's also its strength, because legacy is so powerful, you usually have like pretty dedicated cards. And let's say a card like Lane of the Void is not nearly as good against Breakfast as it would be against yeah. any kind of like super strong dedicated creature. But, but I deck. also want to flip that argument around because the the usual suspects like Surgical Extraction is sort of bad because my deck is mm -hmm. a slow deck. So you have all the time in the world and I have to respect what the Exactly Breakfast deck can do. So what ends up happening is that they just cycle for, whistle cycle for their Oracle and then they mill their deck and then just play it from hand. And you're like, yeah, Surgical, <laughs> hey, yeah. here we go. Worst case scenario is when they have like Kevin of Souls as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. So there are several. <laughs> there are a lot of ways for them to set it up, and they have discard. They have Teferi and Orim's Chant, and uh, some decks run Staff, some run Day, some have Stoneforge Mystic. So all those things, like Kyle mentioned before, it's it's hard to know until it's too late. Kai, haven't you been playing <laughs> Breakfast lately? I, I I don't even remember. I think you 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 bought elves or was it breakfast i literally can't remember i think you're I bought like two now, right? new legacy decks this year yeah it was separate breakfast and, and elves and um, dude I'm, I'm loving it i'm loving it so much you, until yeah, the so point good. where you draw too many narco beepers <laughs> which version do you in play now, guys? <laughs> um I'm, I'm currently on uh a stonefudge mystic build yeah. with uh, a lot of daisies and while i don't play triumph of saint catherine because i think like last time i, I, I played it it was during the uh, the peak of um, initiative and Delva, and they played a lot of snuff outs and snuff out is obviously mm. super good versus Triumph of Saint Catherine. I've been testing um, this Shadow Sphere quite a bit, which is you know which kind of makes your Narcomibus like pseudo Triumph of Saint Catherine, like, ba <laughs> like baby versions of them. Right oh uh, my god! Uh, help me out. What does Shadow Sphere do? Oh, uh, it gives like plus one plus one and uh, life link and trample. So you get mm. usually so your Narcomibus trade with Delvas, and you know you get right, a bit of life link mm. and stuff like that. Hmm. Th th that's an equipment. I'm actually looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah, Shadow Sphere. It's it, oh, Shadow Sphere. I thought yeah. like Shadow Sphere. I was like, what is no, Shadow no, Sphere? No, no. <laughs> it's like literally like I think one, one of one of the ways yeah, how, how, how yeah like modern Hammer Time beats on is it Murktide is just having those constructs out there and having the the Shadow Sphere online and like that that's how they beat them. And mm. uh, you know, I kind of want to do the same in Legacy, maybe, because like you know, if you have a four four five five constructs with uh, with Lifelink, you know, that's that's that that's not too bad, yeah. right? On this topic, I, I played breakfast at one local like a month or so ago with staffs. And I think I had Stoneforges as well, but that was a bit clunky. But um, it was interesting because I played against three control decks all the rounds. And each round, I just like, I was told I was weird after this for doing this, but I sided all the Nomads in core out because they kind of suck. And I like sided even an Alchemy route because I was like, I'm going to, you know, get to the late game. I'm going to have these yeah. random spirit tokens. You don't need all the creatures in play. And God, the deck just grinded so well like i just oh that's insane dude. i just outground all these control decks it went to the super late game and then eventually i was just like illusionist countered illusionist countered illusionist and then like you, you force a will there two surgicals and endurance and then it, it's over but the deck like the having sagas and staff in the deck when you can then present like uh, a turn two kill with with force of will as well 
it's made i think that build is super good and it's just so hard to play against because it attacks from all these different angles and the grinding power of that staff plus saga package is insane for sure uh, i i hate it i hate it dude. <laughs> I, I don't every, every time like i don't even care how good a deck is when a deck is super hard to like you know tackle on a strategic level because it has like different things going on that's what I try to do to people, right? That's how I used to build elves. And like, I actually, I, I played a lot of elves again lately. I streamed it and I played another league where I went. Sounds like you should play some stuff breakfast. Stuff elves, yeah. Stuff no, elves. But, but once people. Dude, what? No. Stuff elves. <laughs> Grist turns it on. Ren's, bring a Ren's Run Packmaster back. Oh, yeah, wait, oh wait, my God. Grist and stuff. Hey. Oh, there, there's also this this like four mana elf that makes like a token when you. Oh, the lower oh, guy, could also the just champion play... on elf thing. Packmaster. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, well, that, those are two different okay. ones. You, you, the champion and elf is uh, Packmaster. I'm not talking about the, the the pauper one, but actually, there's an even oh, yeah. better one, which would Brilliant be um, would be Hive Master. Hive Master just makes oh, the token God, whenever an yeah. elf comes to play. Insects. Yeah, yeah. And then Grist. Yeah, and <laughs> it's so deep. Too bad there's no cool insect uh, tokens out there to use with it, but. Uh yeah. I wish somebody made insect tokens. <laughs> I don't know where you can get them. <laughs> Maybe one day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the reason I was in Berlin and wanted to buy some, I just couldn't imagine where I could get them. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Maybe maybe one day. <laughs> what we're hinting at is can we make this Kai, less awkward? Maybe Kai makes someone. very cool insect tokens. Can we make this like less awkward? <laughs> I was going to say, like, what is Kai ever going to say? This, like, hey, I make insect tokens right by from me giving me money. Like, yeah, dude, that's, how, that's like marketing, like first semester, bad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a Julian. Speaking of insects, have you guys seen the Intervention Pact and Wheel of Misfortune combo? <laughs> No, actually, I have because I put it in the show notes. But... Thank, thank you, <laughs> dude. I, I, I think I played against this deck like the other day, and I was on elves, and I didn't do shit against it. You like, played it on Magic Online? Yeah, I played against it on Magic Online. It was, um, I mean, this deck list is by uh, Killer Bee, I suppose. But mm -hmm. um, I played against a different player. But that's like that's like how fast deck list spread on Magic Online. That was crazy. But if you just showed me these forecasts, because um, to to quickly like provide an intro. Um, after Callum already provided the best intro, Killabi recently top aided uh, yet again another legacy challenge, and this time it's absolute madness. This looks like ChatGPT had been asked for like <laughs> could think about it for like three weeks and then come up with the best legacy yeah. decklist imaginable. Because we got copies of Dream Savage, Runehorn Hellkite, Intervention Pact, and Wheel of Misfortune. And if you know more than two out of those four cards, you are a master. I I want to say like I had no idea what Dream Savage is. Um, and for those who don't know, Dream Server, actually, there's still even no point in reading out these cards because <laughs> this is just so insane. But yeah, Dream, um, Dream Server is an instant from Lauren, either a blue or a black. Draw cards equal to the number of cards target opponent discarded this turn. Now, Julian, why would opponents be discarding cards? I don't know, because you forced them to. Oh, how do you do that? Well, there's, there's a dragon, like, that's, that's no a way. tried and true way and legacy, right? It attacks four times. <laughs> if you don't make your opponents... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a six by five five flying, right? Yeah, that's what we do. We get the six well uh five colorless, a red, creature dragon, flying, five five. Hey, we we are almost there, right? And then it has another ability. When it's in the graveyard, you can pay five colorless and a red, exile it from your graveyard. Each player discards his or her hand, then draws seven cards. So I guess that's how we do it. Like our, our combo is like a five, six mana dragon from Lorwyn and a one mana, very situational draw spell from. Oh, actually, the dragon is from Dungeons Dragons. Never. Dude, this is just like the most confusing deck. <laughs> I, I should not be in charge of explaining deck lists. So, Runehorn Hellkite, it's like, again, it's just for the ability. I 
I bet Killaby has actually cast it once or twice, which is going to be hilarious, but it's really for the ability. So six mana total, exile it from your graveyard, and then each person wheel of fortunes, basically. Yeah, so the Dream Salvage is your follow-up, and then you'll draw another seven. It's it's kind of like extra echoes, right? So the deck still has three Echo of Eons, and it has, it's, this deck is just completely abusing Lion's Eye Diamond so badly that, like, you know, Lion's Eye Diamond's... I, this is the most broken it's ever been, I think. And... Um, it's also playing three copies of Mikathon Gardens to make even additional copies of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just all the LEDs. So it does cost two LEDs to to then flashback rather than the one for Echo, but it's uncountable as the payoff. And it is just also now having like seven of these and you keep going off and like you can discard the Hellkites to the, the Riddlesmith if you draw it as well. God, the one-offs in this deck are crazy. So I think the deck just draws its whole deck every time because it's got like one Hull Breacher, one Waste Knot, one Intervention Pact, which I'll talk about in a second, one Silence, one Noxious Revival, and then one Grape Shot to win later, I guess. But then four Wheel of Misfortune. So it actually has the four Hellkites, four Wheel of Misfortune, and three Echo V on. So this deck is just wheeling and dealing. Wheel of Misfortune is two and a red sorcery, and then each player secretly chooses a number, zero or greater. Then all players reveal those numbers simultaneously and determine the highest and lowest numbers revealed this way. So Kai chooses two, I choose one, Kai is chosen higher. Well done. William's Fortune deals damage equal to the highest number to each player who chose that number. So Kai takes two. Each player who didn't choose the lowest discards... Oh no, the other way around, sorry. Each player who didn't choose the lowest number discards their hand and draws seven cards. How this works with Intervention Pact. <laughs> God, why are we it's talking It's super about interesting because of inter Intervention. Okay, let, let, let me take that. Go on, go on. He, Killer previously used to play um, a spell that basically prevented all the damage a certain spell would deal and you would gain uh, life equal to the damage prevented. It was like a one now, random, like one mana instant from Darksteel or something. No, no, no. It actually was... Actually, I can look it up. Uh, give me a second. I can edit this out. Uh, because it's, it's important because there's a difference... Uh, his name is this. Angel's Grace. No. Let me find no, it. No, no, no. Here it is. It's from. Yeah, it's from. Oh, did you say Dark Steel? Yeah, this is from Dark Steel. I knew I was right. That's why I was quiet. Like in my head. <laughs> no, in my head I heard Dark, and I thought like Darkness, which ah. is like way back. But anyway, you're right. It's it's from Darkness. Uh, <laughs> it's from Dark Steel. It's called Hello. It's a uh, one white instant. Uh, I'm reading this over my microphone, so it's hard. Actually, here we go. It's an instant, one white. Prevent all damage target spell would deal this turn. You gain life equal to the damage prevented this way. So why is Intervention Pack different? First of all, you don't need to pay mana for it, at least not right away. And second of all, it only prevents the damage that is dealt to you. So this way it prevents your opponent from also just like choosing whichever crazy high number you choose. And now they, they actually have to face the consequences, right? If they... I picked a number that was way too high. Um, but I guess since you... And this is interesting. So, oh, I mean... The, where do we start from here? No, it's, it's so interesting because like we're, we're talking about the wrong card right now. We're, we're, first of all, like Wheel of Misfortune. You would think like maybe my opponent just chooses an insanely high card. If, if uh, the opponent knows that I have this combo going on where I can gain life because I prevent Wheel of Misfortune from dealing damage and then again an insanely high amount of life, the opponent could easily just like pick a higher number. Yes, but then the opponent dies. I mean, we also wouldn't gain life, but we don't take damage if they pick a higher number. And we we have to we have the ability to hollow this out, I guess. Now with Intervention Pact, it doesn't really matter. We can just like put... Uh, choose a number that's really, really high and the opponent can't really keep up with it anyway if they somehow manage to to get a higher number and could not die. So, I mean, I'm explaining this 
a little weird because I'm also in part explaining it to myself right now. Uh, my my the, brains are dribbling out of my head. Uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> could, could you pact a pact and, and gain the life? Marcus, don't ask questions like that, please. Pack the pack? Like, no, you can't, you can't pack the intervention pack because the intervention pack... I mean, you can, but it wouldn't do anything. But that... Okay. Yeah, it's not that sort. But the, 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 pack, the intervention pack doesn't deal any damage. No, but the, the way that makes it even more confusing to people is wheel is limited to a number of 255 on Magic Online because we still live like in the 80s and we can't choose numbers <laughs> that are higher than 255. Yeah. So that whole game of like who chooses the higher number doesn't exist in the first place and would have also been not really all that relevant anyways unless the opponent also had a way to not die because we are the masters of like who gets to live and die with hello or intervention pact but technically you know that's in paper that's a weird scenario if the opponent could actually like stay alive because they had like let's say their own intervention pact or whatever um but yeah practically i guess in a way it's actually good that you can only choose 255 so that scenario doesn't ever come up um, the interesting thing is, what if both players choose 255 and can stay alive? Can, um, can you figure that out? No, no don't crash okay. Modo the... for everyone, please. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't... So, no, I don't know. If both players pick 255, they both take 255 damage, unless you intervention packed it, of course, which I guess you, you should. And you don't draw cards. Oh, I because see. Because okay. while both players pick the highest number, both players also pick the lowest number. And only the players who mm. didn't pick the lowest number get to draw cards. And mm. this is just like, you know, at that point, your brain kind of melts unless you, you've heard but, about this before. But you that probably both died as well? No, but you stay alive because you have intervention packed. Oh, okay, fine. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, of course. That, that means that your opponent is not even incentivized to pick a really yeah. high number, right? The opponent, it doesn't really matter what the opponent picks. Unless <laughs> yeah, you they both died, alive. everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Technically, you could both die if you just like play this as a Hail Mary and the opponent somehow picks a really high number <laughs> and you pick so exactly exactly the same high number and don't intervention pack. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. honestly, um, like Killer B probably gets a lot of wins just because the opponents don't understand the yeah, card. Yeah, mm. it's wild. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I think like Wheel of Mis Mis Misfortune is like it got a lot of criticism. I think when the card came out, because like it is so hard to understand what this card does. And I, I gotta be honest with you guys, like I still don't really understand what this card does. All I know that there's some some sort of Wheel of Fortune included and a lot of extra text on it. Yeah, and you, I can I can totally summed up perfectly. Yeah, yeah, dude, I can totally <laughs> see. It's it's kind of like similar to um, what's it called? Council Council Judgment when it came out, when people were like, oh, you know, you so you choose my uh, true name nemesis. I guess I'm gonna just you know just vote for the other true name nemesis and then, <laughs> and then they both go away so you know <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like the same here with Wheel of Fortune where people might just accidentally just kill themselves just because they don't really know what this card does and I think Wizards is just exposing us to increasing levels of like weird sentences you, mm. you know how there's this other card that like l searches your opponent's deck a library for a certain card and then you exile the card and it, that, then it does something completely unrelated. You, you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, like the screen it's, card? it's a green creature. Yeah, I know what you mean. And which people like posted on Twitter and were like, what does this card actually do? I've, I've, I'm not even like getting remotely close to understanding it. <laughs> I can't remember the name, but it's very weird. But yeah. You know, half the time, it's just because they need to make it work for Commander because they have to like mm, raise it in ways that covers all bases, which yeah. like is so... It's not infuriating. I don't really care, but it's, it's at least it's, it's kind of like an explanation. Yeah. Yeah, hats off to Killer B for making another even more crazy yeah, mad deck. I mean, like, mad shout out to him because we're over yeah. here figuring out the twentieth land, and he's like, "These five cards <laughs> nobody ever seen before. Let's let's top eight another challenge." <laughs> it's so it's yeah. So not impressive. only does he understand William's fortune, he's playing for top eight's a challenge and like 
seeing this combo of wheel plus intervention pact and I didn't even know Runehorn Hellcat existed till. And I all saw this, this like stress he puts on people, like Dream Salvage, you cast that in paper. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many cards did you discard this game? Well, I've never thought about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh... yeah, it yeah. looks like the the weirdest deck that your little brother would build back in school, like the one copy of Noxious Revival. Hey, I'm gonna get my good cards and what else? Like the one of Waste Not because we opened it in a booster that we got for free and Silence because Silence is like a newbie favorite. But Killer Bee is like the mad scientist, so actually puts all these like weird things together and makes it work big time. Yeah. Imagine or if this list was posted on like MTG The Source ten years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I want to travel back in time and just like post this on The Source in like yeah. 2006 and yeah. be like, this is the future. This is what yeah. we're working with. No, no, but also just be like, hey guys, got a new deck. I've played it a few times at my locals, did quite well. What do you think? And it would just get absolutely slammed. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, did you get disconnected when you queued? What's that? Also, dude, I made like, I made like a horrifying experience. Um, just I um, just found out that this Runehorn Hell card. I just took a closer look at this card, and this card is secretly insane versus Thassa's Oracle. Oh yeah, because <laughs> you can like this is yeah. There's no way a Doomsday deck or Cephalid deck can beat a Runehorn Hellcard in Graveyard and six mana available. Like double, if the opponent has double LED and Runehorn Hellcard in play, you cannot win with Thassa's Oracle. That is insane. Because like, the, you know, it's the six mana activated ability. Yeah, shit. And I yeah, guess you everyone draws both LEDs at the end of turn or something. Oh my goodness. Then... Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could, you could get like Teferi, some Narc Amoebas and like enough blue pips. But Teferi doesn't really do it, does it? No, 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 but I'm saying you can get enough blue pips in play to have seven loyalty yeah, and then yeah, mill down to seven cards. Technically, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, this is this is a freaking nightmare. Like this kind of reminds me of the. This is like the supercharged um, cephal. What's it called? The like cephalic colosseum. Mm -hmm. You know, versus doomsday. This is it, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't underst understate how good that uh, thing you said, Callum, is. Uh, it's, it can't be countered. Well, you can stifle and needle it, but I played against Killer mm -hmm. in this this actual uh, event, and uh, they played a waste knot, and it was like. Okay, well, I can see where this is going. I'll counter echo. Okay, here's a lead. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can see where this is going. <laughs> I'll counter echo. And then it's like, okay, I discard my two forces. <laughs> well, that's that's game. <laughs> well, from the Hellkite, I mean. They had the Hellkite. By the way, in, in uh, um, Kirabi's most recent list that he posted on Twitter, he has a pull from Eternity in the sideboard. Do, do you guys have any idea what that's supposed to do? Yeah, oh, that's like, yes. Dude, that's like a... Echoes, right? Like a, what's it called? Yeah, like a, like a um, sideboard staple from like way back when we had 10 fins i think it's oh, like, yes. i mean i know i know what the card right. does, but what does what does it do in the stack oh, i, I mean know. you can like bring an echo back to cast it again <laughs> oh that's actually that actually works yeah, right? yeah. but it's a one-off on the sideboard i guess like how do we create grape shots get surgically <laughs> for extracted it? <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah i guess if somebody takes away like your grape shots on, on your dragons or something yeah honestly yeah. <laughs> i mean the best card in this deck is led but you can only grab one back led is so insane like this deck would play probably like eight leds or something oh it'll play like 15 probably it's just like led dot deck like who needs black lotus <laughs> like this is in this deck led is literally better than black lotus yeah. yeah and this is also like how 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 do you approach this in the dark if your opponent lead on led it could be dredge it could be whatever and in some cases you should force it in some cases you should not right Dude, yeah. I've approached this. I've approached this deck um, quite often, and so many times I've actually lost with like all the hate in the world, and then I just lose to Utsu Saga making constructs. Like I mm. sit there, like I, 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 let's say I have like Nilrod or what, what have you, and yeah, Kilabi just goes there. Yeah, okay, Utsu Saga, Utsu Saga, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
There is no uh, ancient tombs in this one, as opposed to he normally plays them in the Riddler. Oh, true, true, true. But so yeah, this is this is even more dedicated to combo than so yeah, a little yeah. less mid range. It's funny when you talk about like less mid rangey like this deck is it's not mid rangey at all. Not really. really. No, this is just is just crazy combo. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So get your get your runehorn hellkites before they inevitably spike after Rabi uh, wins the next five challenges in a row or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Cool. You. So there's there's one more deck I want to talk about. And that deck actually goes back to, I want to say like half a year ago. Kai, remember when you picked up that really <laughs> bad dredge deck that you thought was like horrible and that we trash talked and then... Yeah, for everyone, our, who, for everyone who doesn't know, I picked up a dredge deck and I just forgot to dredge the whole time. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> Is that why it didn't work for you? No, yeah, like it was it was a good league. It was like a classy 05 league. Yeah, I just I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But uh, I am super pumped whenever I see someone do well with Dredge because Dredge is uh, some of the, the crazy archetypes in Legacy. You know, obviously a um, super powerhouse in Vintage. And um, we saw, like, I think the Dredge was probably like the most powerful in the Legacy probably like more than 10 years ago, I think at this point. Yeah, I want to say like the heyday of Dredge was basically around 2010, 11. Yeah, something like that. But uh, here we have like a crazy looking deck list. It even plays like Force of Will, so that's that's for all the control mages out there. Yeah, this one's coming to us from Mafus van Gogh. And I think these days, whenever you see somebody doing well with Dredge, it's basically Mafus or uh, I guess the daddy still shows up every now and then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, I just like enough that story. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> Hello, I'm the daddy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Love this so much. So yeah, this is one oh, part. Actually, I, first say, I, got, I had a, a great, just quick story with him. I met him again at the last Axion and... Um, He's, he's got a kid now, so but I didn't realize that. He, he goes, he's like, hey, Callum, do you want to see a picture of the baby? I was like, wait, what? The baby? The underscore baby? I was like, oh, wait, wait. He's like, yeah, I've got a kid now, and shows me a picture. It's like, oh, God damn it. So he's, a, daddy, he's like an actual mommy. daddy now, yeah. Dude, he's, he's actually the daddy, yeah. <laughs> Shout outs. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's perfect. And the mommy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Here we go. Okay, so, Rafus van Gogh, absolutely crazy person who decided you know dredge why shouldn't we put the very best card into dredge which is brainstorm so this card when you look at it on the surface it's basically dredge it has like four nacromobas for stinkidim for gregari uh, grave troll uh three icarids one hogak for one ashen rider i guess one dread return yeah one dread return for cable therapy for careful study everything is normal until now three now grief as well yeah, three grief. I guess these yeah. days is also no. I, I haven't played dredge in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, but three grief is also pretty standard yeah. as, as far as like standard dredge list these days go in the first place. <laughs> and then we are only playing two copies of breakthrough, and that is making room for a bunch of other stuff. Of course, we're playing four bridges. So the the well, I guess innovation is four brainstorms and four otherworldly gaze. Callum, remind me, what does gaze do again? Gaze is uh, one blue instant. You look at the top three. You, you surveil three basically. And then it has flashback for one and a blue surveil three again. Oh, but you don't get to draw a card? No. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's... Okay. <laughs> it's okay. worse than you but, thought, but yeah. But the flashback is the thing. Okay, so we're, yeah. we're not playing red for... Or, or I guess the, the the rainbow mana base for Faithless Looting. But we're playing like Brainstorm and Otherworldly Gaze. I guess that's the big Well, difference. the other thing is the mana base is fetches and underground seas and islands. Yeah, which is like because we don't need the, those five color lands, right? Mm -hmm. We can just like go all in on, on like a more healthier mana base. Yeah, so I think he calls it slow dredge. So it's just even better at the slower grinding game. Like 
although that historic dredge with LEDs and faithless looting in the rainbow mana base is like incredibly good against fair decks, it sometimes just lost a game with like the 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 cantripping or the looting card getting forced or something, especially forced negation against like faithless looting, or like sometimes an LED getting countered. You know, just that was your one enabler. Or, and then you or in really cases when you have two one. and you get one on first one countered and they get wastelanded. No, no. Yeah, that as well yeah. for sure. But this is just like super resilient. It's even more resilient than ever against that like kind of interaction like that. So, I mean, I can see this deck just shredding fair decks. Yeah, I guess this means Kai's gonna buy his third deck of the year now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I I made a promise. I will never ever play Cephalic Colosseum. Like this this card is just like unbelievable good versus Tassas Oracle and Tassas Oracle <laughs> remains uh, my favorite creature of all time probably. Aww. So, uh, but this is really cool looking and also like I. So I was I was wondering um, about this out of Woodley Gaze, but I think another reason to play this card over you know any like non-blue uh, spell is because the uh, because of those force force of wills in the sideboard. Mm. Um, kind of interesting to see that like bazaar decks and in vintage can always play like all the forces, uh, which is crazy powerful, right? Like you, you dredge and you have free counter magic and stuff like that, and. While this deck doesn't maybe need the, the Force of Wills on the main board because it is still card disadvantage and you don't want to pitch your, you know, like your um, careful studies and brainstorms, um, I really do like the uh, Force of Will plus Grief kind of plus doing the dredge thing versus combo decks. It doesn't look too too bad to me, at least. Yeah, it certainly makes it work. I think post-board, if you bring in the four forces, you technically have 22 blue cards, assuming you don't take out any of the other blue cards, mm. which is, like, serviceable, that works. Um, and it also, as you mentioned, you don't need it in the main deck. Uh, you do need it more in the sideboard of games, where, like, the big hate is coming in, ag in against you, unless somebody's like Marcus and has, like, his main but, deck but graveyard hate I, already. I really, really like this for game two, especially, because you have to sort of hedge with dredge, uh, with like that one wear tear and uh, nature, nature's claim or what have you, and there those are just poopy cards more or less. But with the force of will and an Archimeda that you happen to draw, well then you're set for their whatever the first thing they have. Oh, that's actually smart. You, that's a good point. So you when you look at the bounce spell, Stern dismissal and Kiora's dismissal, th yeah. those are basically there to deal with Leyline of the Void and everything else you can force. Right, Leyline's the only thing you can't force that that's good against. I guess Fairy Macabre, but then you also have this card for that. Yeah, right. and you, and but, you I mean, hit but the, but the bounce spell as well if they... Right, also, also I mean, there, there is endurance still in, in Legacy, right? And, like, it, it's kind of hard to to True. get rid of endurance or, like, to, to yeah, to prevent yeah. it at least. And, and plus, like you said, you have the slow dredge. You have seven discard spells and four forces. Well, how are your combo deck supposed to kill you before you slowly kill them with a Nicorid, bringing back a 2-2 every turn? It's, it's very good against... Not only uh, graveyard hate, but opposing combo decks. Um. Actually, let me let me look up um, wh what he actually managed to beat on the way to the championship. I guess uh, show and tell, Delva, Suffolk Breakfast, Tesserator, Suffolk Breakfast, Reanimator, Delva, Lance, Delva, yeah. and Suffolk Breakfast in the finals again. Yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. this would be so so good against Reanimator. It forces ley lines and discard and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Jeez. And I mean, it's still dredge, right? It can still like produce a yeah. pretty, pretty fast kill. For sure, I, I really like it. And also, I think part of this, uh, the whole, uh, and I'm, people, people don't respect fast graveyard decks enough. We haven't seen a rest in peace or a containment priest in a while. At least 
not plenty of them. It's mostly the usual suspects, a few surgicals and the endurance out of control decks. Yeah, actually, actually it's a lot of fairy macabres because of Cephala Breakfast, right? And so yeah, that's if that's on your radar mm. with the Cabal Therapies in this deck, you can get through that pretty easily. It's kind of funny. When uh, um, MTG Goldfish had their most recent legacy article about the state of the format, uh, once again, reanimator, not by far, but you, by, mm. by a noticeable margin, the most played deck, but still only sitting like at a roughly 50% win rate. So never really being crazy, but it's just everywhere. It's When I play leagues, it's everywhere. When I play challenges um, on the rare occasions, it's like pretty well represented. So we, I think people are respecting it um, quite a lot. But yeah, Mafu's just there, like, oh, I don't even care. Like, let me just work through this. Yeah, and it, it, you can also work through Graveyard Hate by volumes of good cards in your graveyard, too, right? So, Fair Macabre and Surgical are not. It's, those are excellent against Reanimator, but not the end all be all versus Dredge, because they can just pitch another thing and get going or have three of them in the graveyard against an opposing Fair Macabre. Cool. So guys, before we close it out there, we have a question submitted to us from Beagle from the Everyday Eternal Discord. And Beagle is asking, given the recent success of Rhinos and Legacy, are there any other primarily modern shells that you think should be further explored in Legacy for potential porting into the format? Is there, is there anything in modern that stands out to you right now? I think, Kai, you've been yeah. like the it, most modern active player of us. Is it Murktide? Like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, literally, that's already Ragavan. a that's I think Ragavan would be good in Legacy. I don't know what. I was yeah. going to say, guys, guys you're not very good at answering well. the question. Breach. Yeah, I would, to I, would to I would totally unban Ragavan and Exclusivation. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Joke, jokes aside, I, I actually have modern MTG Goldfish open. I've been just like having a browse through it. I don't see anything for me that jumps out. Like, no. Footfalls is one of the top decks there. Hammer yeah. Time is already being kind of taken in. Mm. Um, Dude, Hammer's, pre yeah, Hammer's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's already in. Like, is there any decks that aren't being played in Legacy? I do need to bring up that Anorag historically played against legit modern Yorgmoth in a challenge and lost. It was Juju Bean who beat him with just modern Yorgmoth in a challenge. He lost to like turn one Young Wolf, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, that's kind of <laughs> hilarious. Holy shit. But actually, honestly, I, I was going to bring that one up. Okay, Yorgmoth is maybe. Like, it's a very powerful card. I just think the supporting shell, because Legacy has access to stuff like Brainstorm Finding Terminuses and Source of Plowshares, it's, I don't know, Yorgmoth has to play a lot of bad cards like Young Wolf, even though it obviously is pretty good sometimes. Um, yeah, I think it's just, like, not quite there. But, yeah, that would be probably, out of all the ones I'm looking through, maybe. Glimpse combo, potentially? I like how there's, uh, on MTG Goldfish, there's a category that's literally called generic Ragavan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there's, you know, Rectus Midrange, Murktide Regent, and then they have an extra category for literally just generic Ragavan decks. <laughs> a really cool combo is uh, Tamishi and Lotus Bloom. You could do Tamishi and LED kind of stuff, potentially. What does Tamishi yeah. do? It's a uh, three mana, two and a blue for a two, three. Uh, it has two abilities, which are both kind of relevant. One is whenever one or more, one or more non-creature permits are returned to hand, draw a card, but it only triggers once each turn, so nice card. But you can pay a white and X, return a land you control to its owner's hand, return target artifact or enchantment with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. So you can sack an LED for three white or a lotus bloom or whatever, and then you can bounce a land, use one of the white to return it, and then you're netting two mana each time for each land you can bounce. So if you have ways to put more lands to play, um, I don't know. Yeah. 
it is like something that dies to bolt. It's blue and it's a legend for Caracas. Like it's pretty fragile. But I, I know Force of Will, Force of Phil. He he um, sort of took eight casts for a, for a ride and uh, removed all the wind cards oh, and, uh, and add Tamishi in that. So you have Emery, you have the okay. all of that return bubbles and and stuff. And, yeah. And, yeah, that's an interesting angle. So you can have that sort of combo finish in that eight cast shell. That should be, in theory, yeah. it should be very strong. I think if you can, because it's like it's just good at getting value regardless, and then you can build a combo in with the card, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, like, um, indomitable creativity is pretty big there. Like, but it's just going to be worse than like show and tell and stuff, isn't it? And sneak attack yeah. and things. Pretty much, like the mana base is, is not great, and yeah. you're trying to resolve a four mana thing. But it's always so hard to say these things because, like, if you asked me if Footfalls and Hammer Time weren't in Legacy, and you asked me, I'd probably say no. So, like, I like I couldn't see them, especially Hammer Time. I would say, oh yeah, I don't know, with like so much more interaction, and like, I just wouldn't see it, especially. But I, I thought about the yeah. John deck or of sorts. You have the three pitch elementals, you have Grist, and you can sort of build that. A new a take on the Bloodbraid Elf deck from ten years ago. We haven't seen that, I, mm. so that could be something. Power twenty two, like every few months, will post some Jun deck with the noble hierarchs and stuff, and then say like, <laughs> "Yeah, I went two three as expected." Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what about that Rector's Midrange deck? I mean, we don't have Ragavan, of course, but I mean, everything else is like Grief, Yuri, Doughty <laughs> Voidwalker, Lightning Bolt. <laughs> So I, I mean, maybe you guys remember, but at the last four seasons for Lonya, I played with Cephalid Breakfast at the main event, and I lost to that deck. I lost. Oh, yeah. I, I lost. I, <laughs> dude, I literally lost to Rakdos midrange. Shadow as well, right? That was, yeah, there were some Death Shadows in it, but it was uh, pretty much a, a Shockland-based Rakdos, Doughty Voidwalker, Kolagans Command deck, and dude, like that deck wrecked Cephalid Breakfast so yeah, hard. Yeah, those cards are good against it. Yeah, and I, I also like punted several times because I just didn't I just wasn't used to play against all those cards at the same time it's like dude like what like what are the modes on card against command again like I had to like just you know I made a lot of mistakes in that game but yeah it's, it's actually not a bad archetype you might mm. want to you know fix a few yeah. things here and there but dude, whenever I see it in action when I do like commentary for energy on, on modern events it looks pretty impressive not gonna lie like all these like undying malice and stuff um what's the other one called um Fain Death, I believe. That, that was also really good. There is um I've forgotten his real name, but Punishy Waterfalls, a bit of a he posts uh legacy YouTube videos and stuff. He's been building a black red kind of uh shadow list. So I've just found it. I'm gonna post it to you. Oh yeah, play it again. I'll post them. in the show notes, and we're gonna post it in the in the show notes. Cool. So yeah, I'll uh, I'm just posting it now. We'll post it in the show notes. But yeah, he plays full grief and reanimates and stuff. I really think grief and reanimate is a super powerful kind of combo. Yeah, and they have the DRC as well, right? So you can uh, surveil the creatures. Yep, yep. So he's got he's got sixteen lands, well, fourteen lands and two pedals, full grief, two four stuff out, four street wreath, four baubles, uh four shadow, four reanimate, four thought disease, four lightning bolt, four DRC. Four Scourge of the Skyclaves, three Hymns, and a Team of Battle Rage. And he's got a goddamn Ankh of Mishra in the sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> and four Meltdowns. But uh, yeah, like this deck is super low to the ground. Like it operates off one or two mana. It, like the curve stops at three Hymn and four Scourge of the Skyclaves. And it's just operating off everything else being super cheap. And like it's kind of like a very disruptive aggro deck, I guess. 
Yeah, I just opened it. It looks pretty similar to what I was proposing. It mm. doesn't really have that, that scam synergy, I believe. But yeah, I guess we have reanimate, which is yeah. Reanimate's like what they play in modern for like the fame deaths and stuff, but it's mm -hmm. just a bit better. Okay, yeah, I guess that that's our uh, that's our answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's may maybe there's an outside um, Yagmoth in there as well. Right. Um, oh, sorry, I've just seen this uh, most updated list has three Sign and Blood as well. That's pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, that kind of, that's the kind that's coming back into Legacy Sign yeah. and Blood Knights as well. Cool. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna send you the most recent link to post in the show. Right. But maybe okay, maybe cool. we can sum it up to, for Beagle to uh, to just say that like so many modern decks are so powerful these days. And the, the gap between the modern and legacy is just is not very big as it used to be. So uh, literally any deck can, you know, with maybe like a few tweaks can can probably make it to like a legacy level of some well, sort. You mean opposite, yeah. right? Modern even gets to play a lot of cards that are yeah, banned in legacy in the first place. Like imagine if like if, if we were playing like a legacy against modern showcase or something, Dude. and then Marcus sits down and somehow he doesn't have his removal, and yeah. the opponent goes turn one Ragavan, and, and they got like turn, what? Dude, they, they got to turn one Ragavan into turn two Ren and six or something yeah. like that. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So before we close it out, I think, Kai, you, you have a really big announcement, right? You're getting engaged. No, no. You're <laughs> <laughs> sort of, though. Sort of, though. Like, this is, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, so, yeah, I, I just finished my one of my bigger projects, probably if not the biggest project I've I've done so far um, uh, for Solitarix. So the, the new homepage is live now, and it's including an, an online shop. And basically what you can find there are, like, my new tokens, my stickers, and other MTG items such as playmats and deck dividers. And, like, all those kind of things are going to be all there. Alterations, coaching sessions, original art, like, you name it. Literally everything. I'm so, so happy about the launch. And I will also start streaming again, promoting all this stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped about it. So, everyone, please, uh, you know, just take a few minutes off and uh, just go to salatarix.com if you feel like it. And... Yeah. Awesome, dude. So, uh, what are the the, the um, deck dividers actually made from? Because I thought you you had a poll about that, right? Whether it should be like wood or plastic or, or anything. Exactly. So, um, I think we, we had the um the talk before that like most deck dividers are pretty are pretty boring. You know, they don't have any prints on them or anything like that. And I'm I have not fully decided yet. I, I'm in the middle of you know a conversation with a print company, and what I wanna do are um are like plastic maybe glass or like metal maybe some um, something like that but we're gonna we're gonna figure it out and it will be hopefully be uh on the homepage very soon uh, and you know some of them like if, if they pay extra it should have like a, a piece of your hair or something <laughs> like, i don't i mean we talk about like gamer girl bathwater and stuff oh god please stop dude like <laughs> yeah we, before we started the podcast yeah, i think we talked about like selling your you farts. know like i i only have like i i actually don't have this much hair to to donate you know so uh, Ah, uh, you, you can make it work. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, where can people find it? Is it Savatarix.com? Yes, it's actually literally my name.com. It's Savatarix.com. Savatarix.com. So check that out. And with that, if you want to support the running of the show, as I mentioned earlier, you can do that on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can find us on at EternalMTG on Twitter and Instagram. Marcus, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at truckis123 on Twitter. And truckis with like a CK. And I'm also right. at the last finished match if you're in your local event. <laughs> with a hand <laughs> full of cards. That's where the last guy's still playing. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should actually print a picture, um, uh, a t shirt that says last guy still playing. And, and then, you know, if you, you actually are the last guy, something, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. I, I would love it. 
Awesome. So, Markus, thank you so much for coming on the show. Callum, thanks for being a guest tonight. My pleasure, as always, for having me. <laughs> and thank you to all of our supporters for keeping the lights on here, especially our Eternal Witness tier supporters, Alex Crow, Tim Everett, Testacula, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Sean Dewey, Francis Cowper, Cassandra Davis, Benedict Gruber, by the way, who's riding his bicycle across the Alps right now to go to Four Seasons Bologna. I think he has like 10 days to go. He wow, was supposed really? to go with like two friends of ours, but they both got injured and now he's scaling the Alps alone on his that bike. That is so and cool. That's yeah. really cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Severin Schwarzuber. And our Grizzlebrand here supporters, Bajibat, Scott Monroe, Tom Hepp, Andrew Whitman, Kane, Ian Seifert, and Colin Oskati. Thank you so much. Enjoy your days of Cheskai control potentially being playable. And see you again next time. Enjoy the summer. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye, everyone.